series came from a time about a month back now. I felt stirred up during the start of the unrest in our country. And I sat for a few hours and wrote my thoughts out and they became this series I titled A United State. And last week we opened it up with we the people and challenged of course the church because we the people of God are the people in the midst of we the people that God can use to make a difference. Today, I wanna close this series with the title, A New Birth of Freedom. I believe our nation is closer to coming apart than coming together, but not beyond the point of no return, not beyond the point of reconciliation, and definitely not beyond the point of revival. But it requires the church to be the church, we the people of God, to be salt and light in this land right now. The question is, can the church lead the way? We can if we all consider this thought, we must be in a united state. Just a few days back marked 157 years since the Battle of Gettysburg. That bloody three days was a manifestation of the hatred and division that was boiling over in the country for decades prior to the first shot at Fort Sumter, South Carolina. And at the end of those three days in the little Pennsylvania town, the largest number of casualties in the entire war was made. Over 3,000 killed, 14,500 plus wounded, with 5,000 plus captured or missing in three days. A few months passed and Abraham Lincoln stands on those grounds and he speaks for no more than two minutes. And those 272 words spoken by our 16th president moved hearts and were placed in history. He said, four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth on this continent a new nation conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men created equal. And then he went on to say, now we are engaged in a great civil war testing whether that nation or any nation so conceived and so dedicated can long endure. We are met on a great battlefield of that war and we have come to dedicate a portion of that field as a final resting place for those who here gave their lives that that nation might live. But in a larger sense, we cannot dedicate, we cannot consecrate, we cannot hallow this ground. The brave men living and dead who struggled here have consecrated it far above our poor power to add or detract. And then he said, it is rather for us to be here dedicated to the great task remaining before us that from these honored dead we take increased devotion to that cause for which they gave the last full measure of devotion that we here highly resolve that these dead shall not have died in vain, that this nation under God 
shall have a new birth of freedom. And that government of the people, by the people, for the people, shall not perish from the earth. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we pray that this nation would be under God and have a new birth of freedom, that our government would be of the people and it would remain by the people and for the people and never perish from the earth. And that in this nation, Lord, by your church, whom Peter called a holy nation within, would be salt and light so that many multitudes of people would come to know the new birth that emancipates the soul from sin by our Savior's blood and into your love, Heavenly Father. And until your kingdom comes, O Lord, we pray this would go on and on in Jesus' name. So on a blood-stained field, Abraham Lincoln, the most powerful man on earth, focused on those who died on that field, and he didn't believe his words would still be honored 157 years later. I hope they will still be honored. Kids used to memorize them. I don't know what kids memorize today. Those words still speak. Abraham Lincoln said some other things that are speaking today. He said, America will never be destroyed from outside. If we falter and lose our freedoms, it will be because we destroyed ourselves. But we can make the difference as salt, a preserving influence, as light, because people without the Spirit of God do not have the light of God to guide. We must guide. We can be the difference. The church being the church right now in Christ, if we are united Inclusion, with diversity, placing value on all. Now, how do we do this? Pray. Pray. Pray fervently and consistently, and then put prayers in our feet. We pray this prayer. Jesus, redefine our we. Help our we to be the we that you describe, everyone in the image of God. Prayer two, Jesus, keep our we from being me heavy. If you missed it, go back and check out message one. Keep up, okay? Keep up, catch up. Now today I want to focus on one more prayer. Jesus, let all people feel the weight of me and you. How are we changing the nation? Jesus, let all people feel the weight of me and you. Now to remove any confusion, me heavy, we don't want that. That's when we want everyone to be like we. Look like we, act like we, me the people, instead of we the people. No, that just adds more problems. This is different. Jesus, let all people feel the weight of me and you. Great influence. Do you know what great influencers, leaders who rise up in history to bridge gaps and open the eyes of the world and bring revival to the church and reach the unchurched and save the conscience of a nation usually come from great discipleship roots and out of a healthy community of faith. 
Jesus, let all people feel the weight of me and you. This means a people, a person, comes along in Jesus' name and takes the initiative to find their place in God's plan right now. Not someday, right now. We need right now people who come on the scene and make people feel the weight of you and Jesus. A practical manner of living in a United States, I want to talk about four important things. The first two come together, intense prayer and holy passion. There is a lot of passion in our country right now, but only holy passion can save a nation. Intense prayer, holy passion, pray it. Pray it hard. Pray it fervently, constantly. Pray for it. Pray, Lord, bring us together. Lord, bring us together. The Lord said to a young man named Jeremiah one time, ask of me and I will show you great and mighty things. Then put prayer in your shoes. Jesus, let all people feel the weight of me and you. Prayer, holy passion. The third, prophetic intervention. This is about speaking up. This is about speaking out. This is about speaking from God, not speaking for God. Speaking from God means that God sends you with a word that he put inside you. Being used by God. Standing in the right place for the right thing at the right time. Walter Harvey is a leader of Park Lawn Assembly of God in Milwaukee. And he's the president of the National Black Fellowship of the Assemblies of God. The Lighthouse of Hope Church is a, an Assemblies of God church. I'm an Assemblies of God pastor. At the end of 2019, the National Black Fellowship of the Assemblies of God named the theme for 2020, Enough. Enough. And Walter said, we prayerfully selected this theme in 2019 as a commemoration of the 40th anniversary of our ethnic fellowship. And then he said, I believe it was also a prophetic mandate. I think so, don't you? What's happened in 2020? A prophetic mandate. And the church as a whole to continue to move in a new direction for kingdom effectiveness. Enough. Do we need a prophetic intervention right now? to bring together the white and black believer? In a recent study by the Barna Research Group, I read this, recent data from Barna's pastor panel show that just a little over a quarter of U.S. Protestant pastors, 29%, say that it is completely 11% and mostly 18% true that the church has been actively involved in addressing racism or racial inequality in the United States. Another three in 10 pastors, 30%, say this is somewhat true of their church, though this means many churches remain unengaged, not speaking out, not speaking up or about this. The Barner research went on to show individual versus communal. 
and discussions on race and theology in the church. And the data from late 2019 show a stark contrast between white believers and black believers when it comes to questions on whether there is a racial issue in America. One finding shows that while the majority of white Christians, 61%, believes issues of racism are the result of an individual's own beliefs and prejudices against peoples of other races, one third, two thirds of black Christians, 66%, say that racial discrimination is not individual, but it is historically built into our society and institutions. Quote, and yet for some reason, one of the challenges of evangelicalism is this hyper-individualization when it comes to salvation. It's, I accept Jesus for myself, he saves me from my sins, which then allows for some people to say, well, I personally like black people, therefore, addressing racism is not my problem. See, that is what I meant when I said, Jesus, help my we to not be me heavy. Division is real. Even in the church, even among leaders, I'm not here taking sides, I'm stating facts. And we need prophetic intervention. It's about a nonviolent resistance and a prophetic critique of what is not right, not just, not right for the people. And this requires spirit-gifted faith, humility, humility, and God's wisdom. Hey, listen, for God to remove the curse off a generation, there must be a prophetic spirit upon the sons and daughters of that generation who call sin, sin, contest darkness, pray against it, stand up for God's way, in God's way, and for all God's people. And when we turn into that kind of church, God and his mighty spirit can turn that kind of nation around. The racial divide is only one issue. The racial division is an issue. But listen to what I'm about to say. Please listen to what I'm about to say. The need for the church to be racially reconciled is of even more importance because of a greater issue. I'll say it again. The need for the church to be racially reconciled is of even more importance because of another issue. That is, the post-Christian paradigm of Western civilization that is influencing Christian kids and will affect black, white, Hispanic, and other minority believers, children and grandchildren who God wants to follow Christ. And if there isn't a massive, mighty move of the Holy Spirit to fortify the ancient foundation stones of the Bible in Christian families in this land, 
the consequences for our kids, regardless of color, is grave. If we don't stand together in faith and love and unity and unite and reconcile racially, break down this division and send it back to hell where it came from, we will not be able to fight an enemy who has bigger plans And all the brothers and sisters of all color, of all races, including all the new young dudes preaching, we need to come together right now over this. Jesus said, he who is not gathering with me is scattering. If we're not working with Jesus, we're working against him. Friends, prophetic intervention has to come from the spirit of prophecy and the spirit of prophecy testifies of Jesus, looks like Jesus and acts like Jesus. There is one more practical step. Pray, holy passion, prophetic intervention and it requires a consecration. It's called a personal price. Because conquering demons in a nation requires a cross. Conquering demons requires the carrying of a cross. Men and women who have power from the Spirit of God, used by God to bring mega shifts, have to pay a big price. What's it worth? What is becoming fathers to the fatherless young black boys and girls in the inner cities worth? What's it worth to see a time right up the road when people can't tell if the church you belong to is a white church or a black church or a Latino church? What's it worth? What's it worth to see your son, your daughter, your grandson, your granddaughter going after the Lord Jesus Christ and loving him more than anything they love in their lives? And they grow up to be strong leaders in the United States of America and they repair the breach and they rebuild what's been torn down in families and neighborhoods, people sitting under their own vine and fig tree. What's it worth? your neighborhood filling up with godly families full color, not religious, diverse, even denominationally diverse, godly. It will cost a personal price. Four models. John the Baptist was one. He was a thunder in the desert, preaching with fire and repentance like Elijah of old, and he brought an entire nation out to the waters of the Jordan to turn from their sins. Price, prison, and his head on a plate. If it's not worth dying for, it's not worth living for. Abraham Lincoln. He's called the great emancipator now, but the media called him a baboon. 
He saved the union. Price. An assassin's bullet. Frederick Douglass was a brilliant black leader. He was a speaker and a writer during the days before, during and after the Civil War. I read a little short bio on him from the Atlantic and it talked about him fleeing slavery himself in 1838 and he cultivated the talent to be a great orator and a writer and he produced a score of extraordinary speeches. He pressed the country with his oratory and writing skills. He actually pressured Abraham Lincoln to continue to move forward regarding abolishing slavery. And after the war, continued to push for civil rights for the African American in the 1860s, 1870s, and beyond. His price, he faced many controversial storms in his personal life, his private life. He was disliked and ostracized by some of his own race and many others as he tried to navigate the fine line under the grand administration and beyond that. There's always a price. And of course, Martin Luther King Jr. From the late 1950s, nobody exceeded the courage and wisdom this young man emanated in the midst of a crucible of such hatred and injustice and despair that continued all the way through the 60s. A nonviolent, resistant, and prophetic critique. He was an imperfect vessel, almost broke under the pressure of it all. His I Have a Dream sermon, which I saw when I was a little kid, was a visionary, powerful message. But his final sermon, the night before he was killed, was titled, I've been to the mountaintop, and it showed his wisdom. I have a dream showed his vision. I've been to the mountaintop, showed his wisdom. Listen to the wisdom of this man who within 24 hours after saying these words paid the highest price for saying the things he said. And another reason that I'm happy to live in this period is that we've been forced to a point where we're going to have to grapple with the problems that men have been trying to grapple with through history. But the demands didn't force them to do it. Survival demands that we grapple with them now. Men for years now have been talking about war and peace, but now no longer can they just talk about it. It is no longer a choice between violence and nonviolence in this world. It's nonviolence or non-existence. Do you hear the wisdom of God talking? This is where we are today. He goes on to say, now I'm happy that God has allowed me to live in this period to see what's unfolding. And I'm happy that he's allowed me to be in Memphis. And that's all this thing is about. We aren't engaged in any negative protest and in any negative arguments with anybody. We are saying that we are determined to be men. We are determined to be people. We are saying, we are saying that we are God's children and that we are God's children. We don't have to live like we're forced to live. What's wrong with that? We aren't engaged in any negative protest now, what does all this mean in this great period of history? It means that we've got to stay together. Listen. We've got to stay together and maintain unity. And then he says, you know, and he, and he preached this off the, off the cuff. There's no manuscript. You know, whenever Pharaoh wanted to prolong the period of slavery in Egypt, he had a favorite formula for doing it. What was that? 
he kept the slaves fighting among themselves. But whenever the slaves get together, something happens in Pharaoh's court, and he cannot hold the slaves in slavery. When the slaves get together, that's the beginning of getting out of slavery. I'm talking about a united state. Let us maintain unity, he said. We need all of you. And then I love this part. And you know what's beautiful to me? He looks out in the audience. is to see all these ministers of the gospel. It's a marvelous picture. Listen. Who is it that is supposed to articulate the longings and aspirations of the people more than the preacher? The preacher must have a kind of fire shut up in his bones. And whenever injustice is around, he tells it. Somehow the preacher must be in Amos and say, when God speaks, who can but prophesy? Again with Amos, let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like a mighty stream. Like Jesus, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me and he's anointed me to deal with the problems of the poor. I'm glad Martin Luther King Jr. did what he did, said what he said, marched like he marched, spoke like he spoke. I just wish he wouldn't have died like he died. They killed him like they killed Lincoln. They killed him like they killed JFK. But I'll go to the end of what he said because it talks about the price he paid. Well, I don't know what will happen now. We've got some difficult days ahead. But it really doesn't matter with me now because I've been to the mountaintop. And I don't mind. Like anybody, I would like to live a long life. Longevity has its place, but I'm not concerned about that now. I just want to do God's will. Hey, it's time we melt the snowflake spirit off the church in the United States of America. And he's allowed me to go up to the mountain. And I've looked over. And I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you, but I want you to know tonight that we as a people will get to the promised land. And so I'm happy tonight. I'm not worried about anything. I'm not fearing any man. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. Last words he said. Turned around, sat down, left the building, went to the motel. Then to borrow from Bono of YouTube's lyrics, early morning April 4, shot rang out in Memphis skies. Free at last, they took your life, but they could not take your pride in the name of of love. Intense prayer, holy passion, prophetic intervention, and a willingness to pay the price. Here's why. This nation cannot afford for you or me to be me light, nor me and Jesus light. Demonic attacks are coming in swarms. Deception is on the increase. Division could even become more widened. Our country, in my opinion, due to the influencing spirits, influencing spokesmen, stirring up wounds of the flesh, ancestral and generational curses, and blood from the ground crying for vengeance instead of justice from God. We need a prophetic intervention.
It reminds me of a moment in Isaiah's prophecy when another leader from another country comes to Israel seeking answers because he can find no answer from the dark souls of his own leaders in his own nation. And he yells, watchmen, what of the night? And the prophet of God says, morning comes, but also the night. Sound familiar? We live in such a time. This nation cannot afford you or me to be me light, nor me and Jesus light. We can't tweet our way to deliverance. We can't post our way to purifying our hearts in this country. There is a bleeding wound that only honor and humility and sacrifice can heal. So we the people of God must pay the price and take on the devils of division. We all need to highly consider hallowing the price paid in blood for the progress that we've been given till now. You can't live in a curse and speak out a curse and walk into a blessing. Hallow the prophetic influencers of the past, those godly ones and maybe not so godly, but the providence of God raised them up and used them. Hallow those today who need all doubt removed that their lives matter to you. And ask God to use you. Young man, young woman, ask God to use you. A warning from honest Abe. No, if destruction be our lot, we must ourselves be its author and finisher. As a nation of free men, we will live forever or die by suicide. But there is a way forward, listen, with malice toward none, with charity for all, with firmness in the right, as God gives us to see the right let us strive on to finish the work we are in to bind up the nation's wounds. I close with this question. What kind of price will our nation pay? A high one? More sorrow? More suffering? More division? A weaker witness of Christ than now? polluted pulpits without fire in the house of God? Or a price paid that brings God's blessing, a visitation from the God of Elijah, the one that filled the upper room and energized Peter, James, and John and sent Paul all around Asia Minor, 
that spirit being poured out on our kids and our grandkids. We have to pray. We have to pray. We have to pray fervently and consistently and constantly and ask God's Holy Spirit to move and put a movement in our own shoes. Jesus, redefine my we. Keep me from allowing my we to be me heavy and let people feel the weight of me and you. There was a black man who could only see out of one eye. His name was William Seymour. He was a pastor. And the Holy Spirit visited his life at the turn of the century sovereignly as he did others. And William Seymour was a part of the gathering of people in the Azusa Street Mission in Los Angeles, California, where God brought an awakening at the turn of the century before the First World War with a mighty move of the Holy Spirit. Frank Bartleman, who was a historian that recovered the Azusa Street Revival, said that William Seymour led the people to a well he himself had been refreshed from. He was a man known for his humility, love, boldness, tenderness, and hunger for God. Now look, for two weeks I've spoken about this, and the one week prior to that I believe I talked about the Holy Spirit and racism in the church, made some statements, I know this message might stir you up. Maybe it disappoints you or might have frustrated you or made you think you thought you knew who I was. Or maybe you want more of an action plan from me. I don't have that answer for you. I wrote this caught up in a windstorm in my own spirit. But I trust him to stir up your spirit that you might get with God about your own responsibility, about your own reason for existing and walk out your own obedience and feel his hand and burden on your life. The prayer Holy passion. I will put my spirit on your sons and your daughters and they shall prophesy. A personal price. A personal price. Like everybody else, I'd like a long life. Longevity has its place. I just want to do God's will. I want to pray a prayer that William Seymour would pray in that Azusa Street mission and the Holy Spirit would fall. Would you pray with your heart with me right now? Come, Holy Spirit, and make your home in us again. Build your beautiful family in your glory. Create lowly, humble, truthful, tender, 
hearts in each of us. For we need you. May God speak to every one of us and move all of us in our shoes into a united state. In Jesus' name, amen.